Well, good morning, and I'm going to invite everyone to come back on in and have a seat, and we're going to be just about ready to, uh, we're going to read the scripture here in just a, just a minute, and uh, glad always to hear people fellowshipping and laughing and talking. And I'm going to read the scripture here this morning, and uh, then we're going to jump right into our message. Same, pa- same text that we had uh, last week. James five thirteen through 18, uh, beginning with, with verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Let's pray again briefly here, and then we'll get into this passage. Father, we, we love you. We thank you for your immense love for us. We thank you that, that our names are written or in, in, engraven on your, your hands, Lord, that we are that, that uh, near and dear to you and to your heart, Lord. And Lord, now we, we thank you for this passage of your word. We thank you uh, for what you have to say to us through it. And we, we just invite your spirit to come and speak to us with clarity, with power. Lord, we ask you to, to remove misunderstanding. We ask you to remove deception. Lord, we ask you to remove lies that we have held on to, things that we have uh, misunderstood or things that we've just... Um, uh, not ever really been 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 certain of or been clear on, and I pray that this morning would clear up many things. We ask that your truth would reign in power, that 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 my words would be as it were the very utterances of God. Not that there's anything special about me, but Lord, just that through the working and gifts of your Spirit, that 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 uh, your word would would be living and active this morning. And we, we just we come to you and say, God, speak in this place, speak in this room, speak in our hearts, speak in my heart this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, last week, Josh talked about how God revealed himself in the Old Testament as a God who heals. I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord, your healer. And we talked about how we see what God is like through the compassion and healing ministry of Jesus Christ. And we saw that the Holy Spirit gives gifts of healing in the church. And then we looked briefly at this passage on James as to what James had to say to us about healing. And Josh did an amazing job. If you weren't here, didn't hear that message, go listen to it. Well, this morning we're going to look more closely at the details of this pathway for healing that James gives us here in chapter 5. 
This passage is not hard to understand. The instructions are, are clear. The logic is simple. This is one of, the, one of the few passages that I teach on up here on a Sunday morning that I, could, I think I could just walk down the hallway to the preschool room this morning and teach this. I think they would understand it. I think they would get it. I think they would believe it. What is hard about this passage is to believe it and to act upon it. And although I myself have many questions about healing, I do take this passage for what it says. So I'm, I'm not going to give you any long, convoluted explanation as to why it doesn't mean what it says. I do take it for what it says. In fact, I don't usually announce a title, but if I gave a title to this message, it would be, I would give this the title of A Biblical Pathway to Healing. Because, number one, this is biblical, right? It's from the Bible, and it is a pathway to healing. These verses instruct us in a a few action steps that have the goal in mind of being healed. So that, this is a phrase from the passage, so that you may be healed. Now, two weeks ago, the last time I spoke, we saw how we are to take everything that we experience to God. You are to go to God when you are suffering. You are to go to to God when things are going wrong. You are to go to God when things are going great. When you're cheerful, you are to sing praises. But you are are to turn to God in everything. You turn to God in trouble, when you're happy, and to turn to God when you are sick. And these verses that we read this morning... In these verses, James expounds or he expands on what to do when you are sick. So he says if you're in trouble, just pray. doesn't say much. It's very simple, almost very cryptic. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praises. But when he says when you're sick, he, he, he kind of he pauses and, and it gives more explanation and gives us more of a, of a pathway or a course of what, what we are to do. So James is clearly addressing those who are sick. He starts out, is any one of you sick? Uh, if you are sick or diseased or your body is hurt and broken, you should, you should pray. And I think um, sickness certainly would fall into the category of prayer. So I think James would say you should pray for yourself. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Or is any one of you suffering? He should pray. Then he says you should call the elders in your church to pray for you. He goes on to say, you, you, we really should be so connected to one another in a church family where, where we should be praying for one another. You should pray for one another that you may be healed. And so there's this, this kind of multi-prong attack that you take when you, when you are sick. And this is the way to turn to God in your sickness. And we're, we're going to get into the details more of this this morning, but I, I, I want to just stop right here on this on this point of of turning to God in sickness, uh, some people turn to God when they have problems of every kind. Some people will turn to God in almost any kind of disaster or calamity or trouble, small or great, but they don't turn to God for help when they are sick for a number of reasons and I'm going to give you six reasons 
uh, why people do not turn to God as James prescribes for those who are sick. First, we can become so reliant, hear, hear me out, hear me out, you, we, but we can become so reliant on prescription drugs and doctors that we don't consider that the hand of God could help us in any real way. Okay? Some people think MD spells G-O-D. Now, God is not against getting medical help. And don't anybody construe what we're teaching this morning to say that. We're not against you getting medical help. You know, and I love what Paul said. He, he said, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, sends his greetings. You know, he publicly acknowledges that Luke was a physician or a doctor. He does not denigrate him or insult him or slight him for being that. He just acknowledges that our dear friend Luke is a doctor. God is not against doing things from a dietary or what we might call a natural standpoint to improve your health. You know, Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for his frequent stomach ailments. I'm not sure, I don't know how wine may affect that. I I know know that there are some some medicinal purposes or health benefits in certain ways from drinking a little wine, a little wine. Um, but so, I mean, God is not against doing things like that, that you might know to do or hear to do that can improve your health. But what God is against is when people look to doctors and other things and not to him. Uh, King Asa was one of the few really godly kings that we read about in the, in the Old Testament in Judah. But there's a very sad story about him toward the end of his life. And 2 Chronicles 16.12 says this, and I quote, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. In other words, his physicians took the place of God in his mind and heart. And even though that he had a severe disease, he did not look to the Lord for help, but only from his physicians. When Cindy's uh, mother was sick, and we visited her, her at the hospital in Fort Dodge, and they had a large, a large stone uh, that was set in the, in the foundation near the front door of the hospital, with these four words engraved in it. We serve Christ heals. And for some reason when I read that, it just, man, it just struck me like a bolt of lightning. That doctors can only serve. They can only be instruments through, through whom God chooses to work. We serve Christ heals. Now, I doubt, honestly, that many of the doctors there at that hospital believe that. But it was a great statement for those who could receive it. Doctors can only serve you. Christ alone can heal you. Second, uh, sometimes Christians adopt a view of God and a view of prayer that is basically fatalism. Just whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Uh, 
If God wants me well, I will be well. If God wants me sick, I will be sick. If God wants whatever. That, that's just, it's just what it is. What is, is is. Uh, and, they, and they see prayer uh, as only as, and I emphasize the word only because there's a place for this, but they see, they see prayer only as a surrender to whatever is. They, they, they see passive acceptance as the main response to life's problems. And I don't know if you've read much of the mystics. I, I have. I've been blessed by some of, some of the things they said. But that's one of the problems I see in the mystics is this, just this total abandonment to whatever is as the way to, to peace and the way to live. And to, but to ask, to seek, to knock, to pray the prayer of faith, to fight for something, to wrestle with God uh, is is just not a part of some people's prayer life. And it should be. There is a place for quiet acceptance of the will of God. I mean, there's, there's, there's just some, some situations where it's just, the only way you're going to have peace is just a quiet acceptance of God's will. And we are to live our lives in submission to the sovereign hand of God. We are to be still and know that God is God when it seems that our whole world is falling apart. But that, that should never be uh, something that we extrapolate then from, from that. We should, we should not extrapolate from that, that therefore we should not pray or seek or knock or ask God for something. It doesn't mean that we should not ask God for what we want to see him do in our lives, especially in the area of healing when we see such clear instruction that we are to pray to be healed. So as we are submitted to the hand of God, as we acknowledge God as God, we still call upon him and he invites us to do that. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Third, Some believers fall into such despair and pain in their sickness that they have lost hope and faith. I mean, when you've been really sick or sick for a long time, it is is hard to have faith that things could be any different. And I think this may be one of the reasons why those who are sick are to call upon the elders and others in the church family to pray for them. There are times when you, when you need others, not only in times of sickness, but in other problems and situations in life. There are just times where you need others to, to believe for you, to pray for you, to exercise faith for you. And it's amazing how the prayers of others can stir up your faith. All right, fourth. And... and, and in case, you've, in case you've forgotten, these are, these are six reasons why people do not turn to God as James prescribes for those who are sick. All right, fourth, um, some Christians may not turn to God when they are sick because they sincerely do not believe that God heals today. And I can't, you know, I can't give you a presentation on all of that today, but my, my, my answer to that would, would simply be to to read, to read your Bibles in, in just a humble, childlike way and let the Bible, let the Word of God speak to you. 
The Bible does say that to each one of us, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, and it says to some, gifts of healing are given by that one Spirit. And our, and our passage today clearly teaches that there is a path to healing in the local church. Fifth, some have been turned off by television evangelists and healers. Well, again, I'm not going to say a lot about that except that you don't have to buy into everything that goes on in the name of faith healing in order to believe in divine healing. Sixth, some may not turn to God when they are sick because they have prayed for healing before for themselves or others and have not seen the healing happen. Uh, And they just don't want to experience the confusion and disillusionment of that. Uh, Probably all of us have had some experience like that in our prayers. And even people that have seen great healings take place uh, do not see everyone healed. And why is that? I think the best answer is simply we don't know. Uh, And the best response to that may be to turn more earnestly to God and to seek to fully follow God's prescription found here in James 5 and then leave things that we don't understand with God. But I don't think it's a good idea to throw out James 5 because of our own experience. I mean, James does present this as a command. Pray for one another that you may be healed. All right, let's go through what... I'm going to, what I, again, what I call this, the, this biblical pathway to healing. And we're just going to break it down phrase by, by phrase. First, he should call. He should call. The sick person is to take initiative to ask the elders or to call others to come in and to pray for them. You know, people often, often say, in fact, I heard somebody just, just two weeks ago, and there wasn't somebody in this church but he, he said, when I was sick, no one ever came to visit me. You know, and I wanted to say, well, did you call the elders of your church? Did you ask anybody to come pray for you? Because you're supposed to do that. Did you ask anyone to come and pray for you? Did you ask the elders to come and anoint you with oil? Uh, verse 14 clearly says, you call them, you call them to pray over you. And do you know how eager... The, the elders would be to come and pray for you if you called them and wanted them to. Uh, do you know how eager most other sincere Christians would be to come and pray for you if you asked them to? Or to pray for you after church on a Sunday morning. It doesn't have to be that they come to you at a separate time. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I mean, if somebody came up to me after church and said, you know, I'm dealing with this, would you pray for me? I mean, it's like, yes, yes, I want to do that. Be so glad to do that. So don't, don't be hesitant. You should call. You should call. You know, usually when I visit someone in the hospital, uh, I say, usually just before I leave, I say, can I pray for you? And I find that generally people, uh, saved or not, generally really appreciate that. But how refreshing when I find someone asks for prayer. Then I, you know, I know that that person has their eyes on the Lord and at least in some measure sees the Lord as a resource in healing. All right, he should call. So don't, be, don't, don't hesitate to call. Next, he should call the elders to pray and to anoint him with oil in the name 
of the, of the Lord. Josh addressed this some last week. And I'm just going to say this. I mean, I, I recognize that oils can have medicinal effects, especially on certain types of wounds. Uh, personally, I do not believe that God or James was expecting the elders to administer medical care in these situations. Uh, nor do I think that God would view oil as like a cure-all for all sicknesses. And I, I don't mean that to be like, I'm not trying to be smart aleck or, or anything. And if somebody has a different view of that, I totally, res- totally respect that, and people do uh, respect that. But it seems very clear to me here that this, this anointing is a, is a spiritual anointing having to do with the Holy Spirit. Anointing, with, anointing the sick with oil was a practice established by Jesus with his disciples. Uh, Mark six thirteen. they went out and preached that people should repent and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Throughout the scripture, uh, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The anointing with oil is a, is a symbolic way of saying that God, the Holy Spirit, is here. He is present. He is upon you for healing. It signifies the touch of God. Jesus himself said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord God has anointed me. It's a, it's, a, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit being upon you. Uh, from a very practical standpoint, prayer and anointing with oil helps cement in your heart that you asked God to heal you at a certain time, in a certain place, following the specific instructions of Scripture. Um, Oil is, being anointed with oil, I mean, it's something that you, you experience. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tangible thing. It's something that you feel. It's memorable. And again, from a practical standpoint, you can say, I was sick, but I was prayed for in faith, and I was anointed with oil in the name of the Lord, and I believe the Lord will raise me up. It's kind of just something you can say, okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, and it says right here, the Lord will raise me up. It can be just something that you, that you turn to. And it, you know, so many times we pray about things and we, we don't really attach our will to it. We don't really um, attach a commitment to it. It's just sort of, we, we just offer up things. We, know, we don't even remember what we pray for. We're not sure if it was answered or not. But this, this describes such a specific thing that you're, that you, that you're sick. You call for the elders. You're, you get prayed for the prayer of faith, get anointed with oil, and then the Lord will raise you up. So you can, um, it, it just, just helps you cement in your heart that you ask God to heal you at a certain time and place. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. I mean, this, that's, that's an amazing Amazing statement. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Uh, often I've, I've read that and just, and just prayed, God, as an, especially as an elder, God, help me, enable me, teach me to pray the prayer of faith. 
James clearly thinks it is important to pray with faith. There is such a thing as prayer without faith. There are prayers that are mere repetitions of words and phrases. There are prayers that do not expect God to hear or answer. There are prayers that say very beautiful and spiritual sounding things, but never get around to asking God for anything in faith. So what is the prayer offered in faith? Well, I'm going to do my best to explain what, what, I, what I believe that is. Uh, Hebrews teaches us or says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know that we serve one of the most amazing things about uh, Christianity and especially Judaism in the Old Testament uh, where everybody, everybody on the face of the world worshipped things they could see. A log of wood. Some, a fat, an idol fashioned out of silver or gold. Uh, the sun or the stars. Everybody worshipped something they could see. And then God comes along and reveals himself as the unseen God. The invisible God. And to me, it's one of the most profound... I'm kind of getting this off of sidetrack here. But, but for, for me, it's, it's one of the greatest apologetics for the reality that God is God and that God is who he says he is and that we serve the one true living God because no human being would have ever thought that we're going to worship a God whom we can't see. Everybody on the face of the earth worships something they could see. But it takes faith and God somehow has ordained that we live by faith. That we live by confidence in, in what we do not see. And so faith is being certain of the God whom we do not see. And the prayer of faith, at least part of the prayer of faith, expresses complete confidence that God is. That God is and that God exists. This is that faith is being sure of what we hope for. It's being sure that he exists. It's being sure that what he promises uh, will come to pass. It's being sure that God hears our prayers. And really, Hebrews 11, verse 6 a verse to memorize, live by. It says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, and I'm going to put it, add in parentheses, for he who comes to God in prayer must believe that he is. That's New American Standard. Must believe that he is, or, or NIV, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly Seek him in prayer. Those who earnestly seek him in faith, in prayer, you must believe that, that God is and that he is a rewarder who those, to those who come to him in prayer for the things that he promises and offers us. You know, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Uh, I, I know that, that 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 there's probably been some 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 who have who've, who have pushed that into an ex, into an extreme, but I, I find that one of the one of the most powerful and um, important statements in all of the Bible on prayer and faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. You know, when we get up from praying from praying for something, we are to believe. 
that what we asked God for has been granted. Amen? I mean, that's when we, about anything. You know, when we take your, your, your problems with your family to God, when you take your problems with your business to God, or, or your work, or your job, um, or some other, some other issue, some other unresolved conflict, you take it to God, you lay it before God, you present your request before God, and you have the peace that passes understanding. Why? Because you believe that God heard and will respond and will take care of what you committed to him in, in, in his way. Um, someone has said, we pray and then we talk as if the thing we prayed for was never touched by the power of prayer. And boy, I mean, if, if, you, if you want to short circuit the answers to your prayers... You know, just go go pray for them, and then get as soon as you get done praying, just start worrying and talking about how how bad things are and how this will never get fixed. I mean, you just you just you just get up from your prayer and you talk as if the thing that you prayed for was never touched by the power of prayer. You know, First John five uh, fourteen and fifteen uh, adds adds to this adds to this understanding. I think this is the confidence. Or I think we could say this is the faith that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked from him. It's, 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 an, it's an amazing verse. If, if, if you ask for anything that is pleasing to God, anything that is good and acceptable, anything that is in line with his revealed will, then we know that God hears us. And if you, have, if you know or you have confidence that God hears you and hears your prayer, then it says then that we know that we have the things that we have asked from him. And I, I realize that what I'm saying here may, 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 may totally challenge the, the way that, that we pray, the way that you pray, the way that I pray. Uh, but there is to be this there's to be this confidence, which, which I believe, is, to the best of my understanding, is a part of what it means to pray this prayer of faith. It's, a, it's, a, it's faith that God hears and faith that whatever we have asked from him, we will have or receive. There is a place to stand resolute in what you have prayed for. There is no better example of this than Elijah, who James refers to. When Elijah prayed that it, that it would rain, he told his servant, go and look toward the sea. Okay, we're praying that it will rain. Okay, go look. Go look and see if you see anything coming. Go to the sea, go toward the sea and look. And his servant went and looked. And what did he see? Absolutely nothing. You know, no, nothing but sunshine and blue sky. And here they are, they're praying for rain. Six times his servant went back, and still nothing was there. Not a cloud. So what did Elijah do? Did, did, he, re, did he retract his prayer? 
did he did he just go back and kind of kind of uh, change his mind say ah, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have prayed for that or I guess I was all wrong or God didn't hear me or did he doubt God? No, the seventh time he sent his servant back one more time. The seventh time and on the seventh time, the servant replied, "There is a cloud as small as a man's hand in the sky." How promising is that? Surely Elijah would have given up then. Okay, there's a cloud, but it's as small as a man's hand in the sky. But, but Elijah never, never wavered. He, he stood fast in his faith. And it says, uh, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and the rain came. You know, there's, a, there's a place to stand fast in what you, you pray for. You know, years ago... Uh, I worked with a very lost man named Cecil, and I really desired to develop a relationship with Cecil and to share Christ with him. And he was kind of this macho man. Uh, he's, he's a cool, tough guy. He always wore sunglasses, even indoors, you know, just just to look cool, you know, and and tough. And um, he had he had turned down a couple of in- invitations that I'd ask him to do things, uh, but I decided. And, and you may you may think, well, this 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 doesn't seem like a very godly thing to do. But I decided I was going to invite him and his wife to go with Cindy and I to an IS, Iowa State football game, and to see if he would go with with me, and and if God God would use that to open the door to to sh- share with him. So, um, <clears throat> I bought four tickets uh, to an IS, Iowa State football game in faith. And I, and I did this in faith. This was, this was a faith project. I did this in faith that <clears throat> he and his wife, Sheila, would go with us. And I just I, I committed my will to believe that. And I, so I approached Cecil and I, I asked him if he, would, he and his wife would go with Cindy and I to this particular game. And he said he would talk it over with his wife. But he got back with me and said no. And so I talked it over with Cindy, and I said, well, you know what, it's not Saturday yet, and I'm going to still stand in faith that Cecil and Sheila will come with us to that game. And I, I never mentioned it to him again. I never said anything at work. I saw him at work, but I never mentioned anything to him again. But Thursday, and it might actually even have been Friday night before the game, my phone rang, and he said, do you still have those tickets? And I said, Praise God. You know, I was so glad that I had stood in faith uh, against evidence. And uh, God taught me through that. And I recall that. That became like, a, you know, like an Ebenezer stone, like, like something that you remember, something that you build a, a pile of, of rocks around to remember. God did that. And, it, and, and, and many times through um, various kinds of problems in my life, I've, I've recalled that and the importance of standing in faith for what you pray for. And the prayer of faith is so vital that James says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well or restore him. And obviously the Lord does it, and James is going to add that really quickly. But we are, we are, we're often too prone to say that, that faith has nothing uh, to do with healing. Uh, but it, it is through the prayer of faith that the Lord raises up the one who is sick. And then the next phrase is so so wonderful. 
You know, I think if we just could, could just see the wonder of this verse, I think we would be, it would thrill us to the very depth of our being. And it says, and the Lord will raise him up. We're talking about a sick person. We're talking about a sick a person that's so sick, they're, 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 they're down. They're down in bed. They, they're incapacitated in, in, in some way. They're weak. And it says, and the Lord will raise him up. To, to me, it's just, it's just amazing to think that the Lord, in reality, I mean, this may sound like a very simple thing, but it, it just kind of blows my mind that, that God, the God of heaven, can, <clears throat> can affect my physical body and your physical body. The Lord will raise that person up. The Lord will raise him up. When sickness has you down, has you weak, has you incapacitated in some way, the God who heals, the Lord, can raise you up. Your physical body can actually respond to the Lord. As helpful as medical help may be, often we need more than doctors and prescriptions to make us well. We need the Lord to raise us up. You know, it doesn't put a specific time frame on this. And if you've prayed and followed this pathway for healing, it could be that you, that you just need to keep waiting, keep standing, keep looking for the Lord's timing, for the Lord to raise you up. But the, <clears throat> the, the emphasis here is that the Lord will do it. And, <clears throat> and the next phrase is, therefore, therefore, follow the logic. You know, the, the logic here is, and all through the book of James, the logic is, is so powerful. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Okay, why in the world should we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another? Because the Lord will raise people up from sickness. The Lord will raise him up. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. All right, then let's break this down. I'm not trying to get too detailed, but it's, I think it's really important just to understand what James is saying here. Therefore, confess your sins to one another or to each other. Confession of sins is or can be a part of being healed. Confess your sins to one another. It has this really doing two things, confessing your sins to one another and praying for one another that you may be healed. Not every sickness is associated or specifically or directly associated with a sin problem. It would, it would be wrong to say that that is always the case. But it is also wrong to say that it is never the case. And, you know, we tend to fall... (laughs) You know, people say, well... uh, If someone is sick, well then always or almost always the case is that they're... There's some sort of sin involved. 
And that's wrong. It's wrong to say that. But it is also wrong to say that it is never the case. Again and again, James gives us the right balance. And he says, if he has sinned, not because he has sinned, for sure, but if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So, on one level, and I don't have time to go into a whole, you know, whole doctrine of, of, of living in a fallen world and sin and everything, but on one level, all sickness is in the world because of sin. And probably in most cases, sickness and hurting bodies are just a part of the reality of living in a fallen world. But there are certain cases where sickness is more closely tied to specific sin in a specific person And confession of sin is a part of the pathway to healing. And in those cases, unconfessed sin can actually hold someone back from being healed. And to me, it seems that this is very clearly what James has in mind here. It's possible that God has brought or allowed sickness upon someone to lead them to repentance, yet Yet here's, here's an amazing thing. Even where that is the case, God wants them to repent, confess their sins, and to be healed. The, still the objective remains the same. So we should not discount uh, confessing our faults to one another as of no importance in the, in the matter of healing. Um, there are temporal blessings such as healing uh, that may not be ours while we hold on to some stubborn sin and refuse to acknowledge it. So, I, we should have, and, and you know, we, we do in a, in a large measure, but, but in, in an increasing manner, dear, dear people, we should have the kind of fellowship, we should have the kind of life groups and the kind of, of Bible studies or men's group on Saturday morning or women's studies or... Um, just when we talk with one another, one-to-one, we should have the kind of fellowship where we acknowledge our faults to one another, where we confess our sins to one another. We should, we should be able to get together and be humble enough before the Lord and before one another that we just say, you know, I've really been harsh with my wife. Would you pray for me? We should, and then certainly go to your wife and say, honey, I've really been harsh with you. I really, I've been speaking sharply to you. And I just acknowledge that as wrong and sinful. This, it's, it's, this is the atmosphere in which God brings healing and, and many other things. This is the atmosphere in which God can work. Or maybe, <clears throat> you know, just go to another uh, parent or a lady and say, you know, I've just, I've been consistently just yelling and screaming at my kids and I, you know, the spirit of God has convicted me. I know it's, I know it's not right. Would you, would you help me with that? Would you, would you help me work through that? Or I've been really rebellious and snippy towards my husband and I need, I, I need to repent of that. Um, or I've really had a problem with gossip and, or grumbling. Or I just see how, how, how so many words that I say just drip with self-pity and complaining. And I need to change that. Just, I just acknowledge that fault. I acknowledge that, that sin. 
Or I've allowed bitterness and unforgiveness just such a foothold in my heart. There's this one person that I just, I just am really having a struggle with and I just don't know if I, how, how to forgive them. And I know God wants me to and I haven't. Uh, just acknowledge, I acknowledge that as a sin and something that the Lord wants to change. And I, I, can't, I can't explain all the, the, the mystery but I just know that God works, God works where people are humble and submissive to him and to one another and where, where, we, where we readily confess our faults to each other. And so James says, he invites us as a church into that kind of an atmosphere. Confess your faults, your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed, and the the, the implication. I mean, it's it, for, clearly from God's word is that where we would do that, where we would do that with more more sincerity and more honesty and more transparency, uh, confess our faults to one another and pray for one another that there would be more healing. That you may be healed. And just the just the phrase and pray for one another. I know I've repeated this already, but. Just, you know, praying for those who are sick is not just a ministry of the elders. That's certainly a part of it. But we are to be a praying church. We Every member praying for every other member. We are to live our lives in, in, in such a way, we are to be so connected to each other that we are just engaged in this one another ministry. Praying for each other to be healed. What a, what a difference it might make if this was just a regular flowing part of our lives. And then the very last phrase there, so that you may be healed. Just, there is, there's a goal to these instructions, this pathway that James lays out. There, there's a goal, so that you may be healed. It is, it is scriptural. You know, oft, oftentimes... Uh, Based with the environment I I grew up in, um, where where there was just a lot of um, teaching really against healing and God working, to me this this verse has has given me great confidence to pray for others. You know, sometimes I just go back, you know, pray for one another so that so that you may be healed. It is scriptural to pray for others to be healed. And often I've prayed for other people to be healed simply on the, this verse, on the confidence of this verse. And then James wraps up this passage. Boy, we're, I'm sorry, we're, I'm going too long today. Okay. Uh, you know, James knows, it's just like James knows exactly how you feel from, from hearing this stuff that he's said. He, he knows exactly how you feel, okay? As you hear about praying for one another that you may be healed, you are thinking, who, me? You have got to be kidding. I am just this ordinary person, this ordinary Christian. You know, I don't even know if I know how to pray. Um, you, you, you just feel your own nature, how there is certainly nothing super about you. And you think that your prayer could not really affect someone's health or healing. And for that reason, James steps in 
and reminds us that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and can accomplish much. And then he says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he was just saying, you know, Elijah was just a man. He was, he was susceptible to discouragement. He even got depressed. He experienced fear. He asked the Lord once to let him die. He was a man with a like nature. But there was something else that he did. He prayed. He prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain. And he prayed that it would rain, and the heavens gave rain. But the, the message here is that, is that we, are, we are all ordinary people. We are, all, even, we are, um, we are people with a, a nature like Elijah. And we shouldn't let that stop us from asking God to do great things through prayer. People get healed through prayer. People get healed through prayer from people with a nature like ours. Rain stops and starts by prayer. Amazing things like that can happen, can come about through your prayer. Certainly we recognize the reality that this world is not heaven, uh, that our bodies are temporal, they're decaying, as Paul said, our earthly tent will be taken down. Our bodies will not be perfect until we receive our resurrection bodies when Christ returns. But based on this passage and, and other teaching, um, until we go home to be with the Lord or until he returns, may each of us see that many times we are healed through, through prayer and through the prayer of faith and through just this biblical pathway for healing uh, that James laid out for us, for us here. All right, let's pray. God, thank you uh, for teaching us about healing. Thank you for including this passage in James. We ask that through your spirit you'd give us understanding and acceptance, and I pray that from last Sunday and this Sunday, I pray that there would be people who are healed, that changes take place in their physical bodies, people that are raised up from following the teaching and instructions of your your servant James, and we uh, commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen.